This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Daily Podcast. I'm Lenny Jarrett, Project Manager with the Heartland Institute and host of today's edition of the podcast. Today's guest is Colorado State Representative Patrick Neville. Representative Neville is the minority leader and is a survivor of Columbine. Welcome, Representative Neville. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, Glad to have you on. I know you've been on a podcast before and stuff, but it's it's always good to have you come back on and t- and share some more. Today, I know with the the 20th anniversary of Columbine just happened. That was April 20th, 1999. So it's been 20 years now, and I'd like to have you as a survivor. I'd like to have you kind of reflect a little bit about what happened that day and how it has affected your life in the last 20 years. Well, it had a huge impact, I mean, on my life in general. But that day, specifically, I remember mostly the the aftermath and actually gathering in my elementary school, and we started having seen the buses come in. And I was lucky enough to get out of the school quickly, so I went to my old elementary school where we all kind of rallied up and tried meeting our friends, and they started busing kids in from the school as they were able to escape and eventually the buses stopped coming and you saw some parents still looking for their children and um, ran into one father in particular who I'd known for a long time. And he hadn't seen a son. And of course found out later on that he never got to see his son alive again. And, you know, his, I just look at some of those circumstances back then that, that was actually kind of a wake up call in my life. Uh, I was making a lot of bad choices as a 15 year old kid doing a lot of you know, idiotic things. And for me, that was my wake up call that I needed to change and that life was precious. And, um, you know, I've made a lot of decisions after that because of going through that. That's why I joined the army. It's a big reason why I do what I do now. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's, and we never know what is going to be that turning point in our lives. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes a tragedy and that was a really horrific day for a lot of people there in Littleton, but even across the nation, as we've seen more school shootings and shootings in other areas, it just continues to happen and stuff. Um, as a state rep, uh, what? how does Columbine kind of inform your decisions and some of the legislation, especially when it relates to education or school safety? It informs it quite a bit. I mean, we keep talking all these different policies that don't work, and I just like to be realistic about it. Uh, for the past five years I've been down here, I ran a bill that would allow teachers and school staff to arm themselves to protect their students. As I have done that, uh, the Democrats defeated in committee year after year, and they always say, quit, quit doing the same thing over and over again. Try something new, bring something new, because we're never going to go for that. And, you know, I'll still run that bill because I think that's the right thing to do. But this year we did. We tried something new. And that's why we brought forward the child safety accounts bill to address it in a different manner that doesn't even have to do with guns or firearms, but to actually address school safety in a a realistic and meaningful manner. Right. And 
Heartland actually introduced the child safety account actually a year ago, right about the time of, of the 19th anniversary of Columbine. And after the Parkland shooting, because we saw that same thing, there's there's certain debates that people don't want to have in the leg in the legislature. They don't want to talk about arming teachers. They don't want to talk about other things, but it's really about these kids, the kids, their safety. And if you can't fix the, fix the safety issue, can you do something that'll help the child be able to get to a safe environment? And one of the things I like to talk about with child safety accounts, I know what they do is they tend, they help the, those internal threats that are inside the school more so completely than they do the external threats like a shooting would be. Can you share a little bit more about, you know, that kind of dynamic? What kind of, what does a child safety account actually do for the students? Right. And, you know, that's a lot of what it does. I think the internal versus the external. So it was definitely a different way to approach the subject. But you look at some of these situations where, uh, you've got continued bullying that happens, and, and sometimes just, you know, people need a new, fresh environment. And so if you actually empower those parents and, and those students with a child safety account, you can actually give them that new, fresh start that they might need and prevent a lot of these situations from happening in the first place. And then it's one of those things that, you know, if you, if you peel the onion back more and more and you start seeing it, I mean, I definitely like the concept based on my experiences with Columbine, but you look at more situations where this could be used. I remember seeing one example where a poor student was forced to sit in class with her rapist for years while the trial was going on, and he ended up being convicted of that crime. But meaning, meanwhile, she was forced to sit there with this person where a child safety account would give them the option to get a, go into a different environment. We shouldn't be forcing students to be in places where they don't feel safe, and we should empower these parents to make these proper decisions and prevent those threats from even popping up to the point where they might end up evolving into a school, you know, a school shooting or other significant safety issue. Oh, that's for sure. I know you've had a case out there of the bull, how bullying had led to the suicide of a nine-year-old uh, just uh, last fall. And that kind of tragedy that happens from the bullying and making the kids stay in the classroom with his with his attackers. Exactly. Situations like that shouldn't happen. And uh, I think it's not only you know, school shootings. Yes, this I think would also help with suicides. And we're seeing a rising problem with that in our schools too. So let's give these parents some tools to be able to put their child into a different, maybe better environment and actually do something good before these escalate into the school shooting or a suicide situation yeah that's that's yeah it's and yeah teen suicide is on the rise especially i mean colorado i've seen some of the numbers it's been really rising there and it's a problem that has to be dealt with and you're really looking at mental health issues but also the bullying the violence all of that talk is lends itself to mental health and these kids are being put in a situation where they have no choice. And that's where child safety accounts and just school jo choice in general come along. So that bill this year that you introduced, um, did it make it out of committee? What was some of the objections to it? How did it actually go in the legislature this year? Well, it died on party line vote, just like my other bill does, and was actually sent to the same committee. Uh, the objections to it really came from the teachers' unions. 
and the teachers unions didn't like the concept. And it's, it's just, it's really frustrating because again, it was a, a different way of approaching this that didn't even involve guns that we could have actually solved the problem in a meaningful way. I look at my situation in Columbine too, and I can reflect back after the shooting years after the shooting, I had a lot of friends transfer to different schools and we were lucky enough to be able to do that at the time because they had just built a brand new high school uh, near Columbine that didn't have actual full capacity. So a lot of students were able to transfer to that school just because it didn't have full capacity. But if something similar like that happened again and that option wasn't available, the child safety accounts would give them that option. I mean, I had a lot of friends who, quite frankly, had a worse experience and actually saw a lot more than I did at Columbine High School. And forcing them to sit in that same building where they went through all this wouldn't be the right approach either. But something like this would give them the option to seek that new, fresh environment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, school shootings are horrific, and it's, you know, that external threat. But it is. You're sending those same kids that just had to deal with this, had to watch their friends die. You're sending them right back into the very same school in the very same classrooms. And they may not be mentally ready to do that. Exactly. Some some people are. Some people actually found it therapeutic to actually go back and face the building, but others just struggled to learn in that type of environment. We shouldn't force them to sit in the same same place in the same spot and go through the same things that relive their same experiences. That's not what they choose. And again, this would be one of those options to to the tool in their toolbox that they could use to help get them help and recovery and um, move on with their life. Yeah. And you, so talk about the teachers unions really don't like school choice. And, you know, obviously they fought against the child safety accounts, but it's, it's like, they seem to be, they care more about their own jobs and their own incomes than they care about the children themselves that are victims that's what we're seeing more and more. I mean, this is, if you look at the fiscal note on the bill, it didn't even suggest that there would be a widespread usage of this. It would actually be really small. But they get so fearful over, you know, any sort of threat to their monopoly that they have on our students that they're willing to even not let a student seek some new safe environment. It's it's pretty sad. I just don't have words for it that you're going to put student safety um, underneath the the priority of making sure that they keep their monopoly on school choice. Yeah, and well, as we see in other states, um, this is something you might be able to share more shed more light on for Colorado. But in other states, in Milwaukee, there's a there's a problem up there with student on teacher violence. In Chicago, there is actually a huge been a huge problem of teacher or staff on student violence where the teachers and the staff have been the ones bullying or sexually harassing or assaulting students. And the schools kind of kept covering it up until the newspaper finally broke the story and started talking about it. And I'm not sure you, if you may have some stories from Colorado where that's happening as well, where the staff or the teachers are the ones actually being the abusers. And that does happen again. It's in, if you know, we, I think of, certain circumstances and some different news stories that come out of that happening here in Colorado. And again, if some, someone, one of my kids got abused by a teacher or staff member, I find it outrageous that we wouldn't give that parent or that individual student the, the ability to, of course, move to a different environment. I mean, the bill had some pretty significant guardrails. So it wasn't just like 
anyone could come up and say, I don't feel safe. There's, they actually had to show some proof and actually resolve some of the situations within the bill. So it was a, it was a very measured approach. But again, the, the teachers unions just did not want to go for it because it was a threat to their, what they thought was a threat to their monopoly on school choice. And so they're willing to let students just sit in the same bad environment rather than give them some help. Yeah, it's a shame watching somebody with that monopoly that deals with it. At least you've got open enrollment in Colorado, but as you said earlier, it depends on availability in another school as well. And that, yeah. So it's just, this is just another avenue. Child Safety Accounts was just another avenue to help that along. The Heartland Institute has ramped up our video production in 2018, and we wanted to let you know about the first two weekly series you should check out on Heartland's YouTube channel. The first is called Two Minutes with Tim, starring new Heartland Institute president and former congressman Tim Hulskamp. Dr. Hulskamp weighs in on a hot news story of the week from a free market perspective or an issue that is important to advancing our shared mission of smaller government and more individual liberty. Tim has commented on the fake polar bear scare, the left's attempted takeover of the internet via net neutrality, school choice advancements across the country, defending the Second Amendment, and more. Heartland is also producing a new series called Flashes of Freedom, which applies free market principles to real-world situations. Videos we've already produced have featured freedom champions like Steve Forbes, Matt Kibbe, John Stossel, Dan Proft, Joe Walsh, John Lott, and more leaders of the freedom movement. Go to YouTube and search for the Heartland Institute or go right to Heartland Tube and subscribe to our channel. You'll get a notification of every new release so you never miss a timely and professionally produced episode of our new video series. Go to YouTube and search for the Heartland Institute today. Yeah, I know one of the things in your bill, you talked they had to have a have actually see a physician or a mental health specialist to kind of discuss some of this, work with the school. And stuff like that. I mean, there there were definitely a lot of good safeguards in there that made sure this wasn't just a parent going, hey, my child was bullied. I want to move. You really put it in there to confirm that this really was a safety issue with the child. That's exactly right. And we just we didn't want him to be totally abused or we were actually you know, thinking ahead of time that the teachers union would come ahead with those types of accusations that, oh, it would just be easy and uh, the parents will use this as a way to get some sort of, uh, you know, voucher program. And so we put that in there. We put the safeguards in there, but it still didn't stop the teachers union from opposing it. One of the interesting things I did find throughout proposing the bills, we actually did have some groups that uh, are typically proponents for, or, you know, advocates for those who are sexually assaulted. And they started showing some real interest in the bill. We couldn't get them to the point where they were publicly supportive. But I think if we work on it in the future, we'll be able to get their support as well. That would be good. Yeah, there's a lot of groups out there that I know I've met with the same thing. Non-traditional groups that you would that would be an ally on this because they're, they really, certain segments of the population really do get attacked and abused and harassed a lot more than others. And they would be a natural ally on this. So it's exactly as you move forward, what are some of the things you would like to see Colorado do or, you know, Governor Polis to do? I mean, he's I know he's a supporter of school choice as far as charter schools and stuff go. You know, what would you like to see going forward? 
Well, you know, I don't think I'm going to give up on this concept. If we have to tweak it a little to get some support, we'll certainly try it. I'm still not going to give up on my concept because I think the ultimate way to, to prevent these is the biggest deterrence we could have is letting those folks who are even thinking about committing a horrendous act on our schools know that they're going to be met with opposition on the other side of the door. So I'm certainly not going to give up on uh, my proposal that would allow those good folks who actually want to arm themselves to protect our students inside schools and let them do that and not make them felons. And then the other thing that we've, we've worked on here in Colorado is we did set up a school security disbursement grant program so that schools that want to apply for uh, measures that will help them make their schools safer, whether it's training for SROs, which are school resource officers, police officers within the school, or whether it's uh, they want to actually harden their sites. Maybe they want to add some tempered glass to their front doors, locking mechanisms, things of that nature that they can actually apply for that because I think we need to harden our physical sites as well uh, to deter these things from happening. We were able to get that done last year. The problem was it was actually everyone said, oh, this is going to be so much money, it's never going to be spent. Well, even though the districts have to actually show a matching uh, number on that, they've almost went through that whole program. Wow. Even though so we had so that thirty million dollars in the state money turned into sixty million dollars in projects, three hundred and ten projects where schools were actually working to improve the physical security within their districts. I think that's successful and needs to be uh, moved on. Unfortunately, this year we tried running amendments on the budget cycle to send more money to that program. So we looked at things like Colorado, for instance, we spend almost a million dollars a year on film incentives. So we've in the past, we've given these literally to Harvey Weinstein's company. Um, you know, we subsidized part of the hateful eight. And so instead of sending, you know, subsidies to Hollywood elites, I think it'd be more appropriate that we send this money to actually protect our students. So we'll keep fighting for those measures as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah Hollywood doesn't really need any more <laughs> nor money the schools definitely need a lot more money to protect the students that's for sure <laughs> wow. well and it's sad when you look back at what happened uh previously here in colorado when we had all the schools literally shut down for a day over an 18 year old girl that flies in from florida when an 18 year old girl can fly in from out of state and shut down almost 60 percent of our schools a half a million students out of school and they know that this is a credible threat and they know who the individual is, but they still have to shut down the schools. It just goes to show how unsafe our schools currently are and that we do need to have measures to actually truly make our students safe. Yeah, and we have really, to get real yeah. about it and we can't, we can't turn a blind eye. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's, it's basically an all of the above approach to try to keep students safe is really is really what needs to be done. And partisan politics really shouldn't play a role in that. It should be purely bipartisan. Couldn't agree more. These are common sense measures. They, Some of them had been bipartisan in the past, but now special interests get involved and uh, want the money going elsewhere. And, and that's too unfortunate. It's unfortunate. We're seeing our, our kids' safety being put at risk because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading that story about that 18 year old girl. It was just, I'm like, wow, she, she, she was fixated on Columbine and this being the 20th anniversary. Unfortunately you get some crazy people out there and she was definitely one of them. And yeah, it's amazing how, how easy it is to shut down schools and stuff when it should be a lot harder. It should be easier to protect students than it actually is right now. 
Exactly, and we have to get realistic about it because that's that's setting a dangerous precedent when one person can shut down and keep a half a million kids, half a million plus kids from attending school and keep those parents home. I mean, this doesn't happen in countries. Israel model, this would never happen in Israel. They would still be going to school. It would still be business as usual, and they would take care of business if someone tried to come in and hurt kids, and that's what we need to do. Yep. We need to make it loud and clear to any of these wackos that want to hurt our kids that they're going to – it's not going to end well for them. Right. They're going to face opposition as soon as they get to the school, and that's really what what we need. So Exactly. I know we've covered a lot on school safety today. Is there anything else you would like to cover that we haven't talked about yet that you think our listeners would be interested in? Those are those are kind of the hot subjects on my mind. I mean, with just having passed the Columbine anniversary, but uh, Colorado is it's, it's, it's been an interesting year. Now seeing for the first time in the last four years a complete Democrat control, we're seeing an onslaught to a lot of different issues, uh, a lot of regulations being passed, a lot of bad bills being passed that's hurting major economic industries in Colorado. It's it's unfortunate because we're starting to see some really bad numbers, uh, economic numbers in Colorado that's actually much worse than the trend in the country. And I think it's unfortunate because we're just looking at a recession by legislation. Yeah, that's yeah, that happens in several states. I know I lived that firsthand living in Illinois. So I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, Representative Neville, if our listeners would like to actually connect with you, how how can they how can they best do that? Uh, The best way to do that would be to uh, connect with me on Facebook. And my Facebook page is Patrick for Colorado. And if you connect with me there, well, we've got updates on there. You can also email me at patrick at patrickforcolorado.com. All right. And as, is that uh, spelled out F-O-R or is it the number four? It's spelled out F-O-R. Okay. Got it. Wanted to make sure. So, yeah. Patrick that... at Patrick for Colorado F-O-R spelled out. Okay. Dot Just com. wanted to make sure so our listeners knew exactly where to go. So I want to thank you for being able to be on today, especially for, thankful for our listeners to be able to hear and learn about what's happening in other states and how you're working to actually protect students, you know, in all ways in their, in their school. So thank you for being able to be on our podcast today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, listeners, thank you for joining us today. Please check out Heartland's website, heartland.org, as we continue to track education issues and school safety issues and work with representative like Representative Neville in Colorado to help protect our students all around the country. Make sure to go to our PolicyBot website, your one-stop shop for free market solutions to public policy problems. And if you're hearing one of these podcasts for the first time, make a point to subscribe to our daily podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today and make sure to have a great day.